You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. Hey, it's Mark Bird on Time to Revive. I want you guys to be ready as I am today. I'm super excited. With me on the line today is Pastor Nate Petrosky from Williams County. Pastor Nate, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. As you guys all know, listening audience, I say this constantly, but this is so true. Like every time I have a, a message on my heart, a word that I want to release out to the listeners, like I pray about it and the Lord puts someone specifically on my heart. And here's the cool thing. None of this is premeditated. We didn't discuss it in any length at all. We've just had some conversations. Pastor Nate is pastoring in a community that Revive Ohio is going to be partnering with down the road real soon. And I just have had so many conversations with Nate about the things that matter to a community as far as revival and all that. And I will tell you this, and you'll get to hear this as we begin to unpack this and walk this out today. But Pastor Nate, his heart is that of, man, we must go. (laughs) I think it'd be safe to sum it up in that, Nate. But I want to ask you, just kind of starting off, and what I feel like the Lord put on my heart for this particular episode is basically living for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Nate, you know, you and I pretty well think we know and understand what the gospel is because there's power in the mm-hmm. gospel. But yet, our culture, our society has taken the word gospel. You know, I've even had conversations with someone not talking about Jesus whatsoever. And they'll say the word, well, that's the gospel, you know, like, well, it's not really the gospel, but, you know, Nate, what I want people to hear, and I'm going to be quiet here in just a second, but I'm going to ask you to talk about what does it mean in your heart to live for the gospel, brother? Yeah, the gospel in short, you know, is the good news. Yep. And it's the good news of what? It's the good news of of Jesus Christ. It's the good news for for all of humanity that because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because of what we celebrate, you know, around uh, Easter, you know, Resurrection Sunday time, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we can have a relationship with God. We can have a personal relationship with God. We have the ability to have our sins forgiven and uh, the opportunity to spend eternity with him. And so that's the good news. It's who Jesus was, what he did and what he continues to do for, for all of us. Um, and, and, you know, for believers, and that's the good news of Christ is that is the gospel message is that, you know, man was separated from God because of sin. Jesus came in and, and took care of that and, and paid the debt for us and cleared that up. And if we really understand what separation from God means, then we'll really understand just how good this news is. That's excellent, Pastor Nate. And this is exciting because uh, I have been praying for just the right timing to have you on. And again, Pastor Nate Petrosky, folks from Williams County, pastor up there, is on the program with me today. And Pastor Nate, you and I have unpacked a little bit of this stuff going down the road in several conversations. But, you know, it's taken me, as I was praying about this episode today, I was taken to Romans 1.16, and Paul writes something about this. And I think it really is the leading edge of what I want to talk about. But he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
you just said that. Naomi, this is exactly what you just said. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a powerful statement in just one little verse. But really, Nate, like, you know, this episode, this series, if you will, is about lifestyle evangelism. It's about living out this gospel. Tell me how you see everyday Christians, you and I, everyday believers, how do we live out this gospel? Well, yeah, it's what you just read. And I, and I think of, you know, the most translated quoted verse in all of scripture, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. That's the good news. Yeah. The good news is that if we believe in Jesus, we don't spend eternity separated from God. So now how do I, in my everyday life, how do I live that out? And that's something that I think that the church has, has lost. And it's interesting when I think of, uh, you know, you messaged me on this again, it wasn't, we didn't have time to process and time to talk at, at, at length, but today in our, in our guys, uh, our men's Bible study in the morning, we're doing Ephesians chapter four, and it talks about some of the gifts, you know, some of the, the, the offices, some of the gifts and the roles that he gives to uh, believers. And, and we see this as leadership. It talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, that kind of thing. We see that as leadership. But then he goes in to explain the purpose of the role. Yes. And the role, the purpose of those roles is in verse 12, to equip the saints, which is all believers, the church. It's not just, you know, uh, uh, certain people. It's not those with a title or those that get paid to do it. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And you say, you know, what does that look like? Because not all of us are in full-time ministry. Not all of us, you know, people would say, you know, well, that's your job. Your job is to tell people about Jesus. Well, no, it's all of our jobs. Amen. As, as a believer, we are all called to share what God has done for us. Yeah, some of us may be gifted in certain areas where we lead things or we're just we're, we're more gifted in speaking or whatever, but all of us are called through our lives through our character, through our speech, to exemplify who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. And so as being part of a lifestyle of evangelism, it's, it's a life that is centered around, you know, what are, the, what are the commandments? And Christ narrowed them down, loving God and loving others. That's it. And so it's a life centered around that. In, in your workplace, wh- wherever it is, whether you're working on a factory line, whether you're, you know, uh, uh, cleaning toilets somewhere, whether you're the CEO of a company, Wherever it is in your workplace, do people see the love of Christ in you? If the people that work with you would label you behind your back as that guy's a jerk or, or, or that woman's just a bully or she's mean or whatever, well, then there's a problem. There's a problem because my life should be reflecting who Christ is. And so that doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter who you are, what title, position you have. It's not based on any kind of status that our society would place. All of us are called to do that. All of us are called to do the work of Christ. And so what does that mean? It means loving on my neighbor. It means caring for those around me. It means helping out. It means that everything I do, I do unto Christ. And so I should be one of the hardest workers in where, wherever I'm at. I should be one of the most joyful people. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I should be going around and living a life with joy. And people should see that strength in me. And, and it should be incredible for them. Scripture says, you know, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And, and what is the result of that? 
formula, the result of that formula is, and the peace that passes all understanding will be there. So my prayer life should then impact the rest of my life. So when people see me, I'm going to have issues. I'm not perfect, but they should see a, a peaceful person. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called, you know, uh, uh, to, to lead people around us in what forgiveness looks like. We should be carrying the joy of the Lord with us. All of these things, the fruit of the spirit, right. you know, love, joy, peace, patience, all those things should be coming out of us. And so the people around me should be drawn to me, but they're not really drawn to me. They're drawn to the character of Christ in me. That's so good, Nate. And I'm so glad that you went there because honestly, on any of our previous episodes, we haven't really gone there as far as with the Ephesians 4.10. But what I love about it is it said, and he gave some to be. Now, Mm -hmm. but here's what happens is because all of a sudden that becomes an excuse that I don't have to be an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I don't have to be that. But here's the thing. No, he said that he gave those gifts to the church, like you said, Nate, I love how you articulate this, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So now what we really need to be about is discipleship. And so listen, he gave those gifts to the church. Why? So that we could make more. Mm-hmm. We could make more evangelists, more pastors, more teachers, more prophets, more. And so that's the whole thing. It's about the multiplication piece. You know, I I got to thinking about this, Nate, as you were articulating this, which I love so much. When we go about making more disciples, because I have, literally, I have civic leaders, community, county, and city leaders in new counties we talk with, and they ask me all the time, well, how is this going to better our community? Now, in all fairness, sometimes they're not believers that ask me that question, but sometimes they are. How can this impact the community? What you're proposing to bring revival to our community, how can that help impact our community? Well, it boils down to that one thing, Nate. I say this, if we can make disciples of Jesus Christ, right? If we all can work at that, make disciples, because you said it, disciples of Jesus Christ should be better workers. They should be better husbands, daughters, mother, like should be all of those things. Why? Because the fruit of the spirit, as you said, Nate, mm-hmm. and the love of Christ should be impacting us on our jobs, where we work, play, go to school, all those things. So that's what I see in that. Nate, what else do you say when you read the scriptures and you read the gospel and you go, I must live for this gospel? Yeah, I mean, it really, it really comes down to the first piece is recognizing that I need, I needed salvation, you know, recognizing that I needed a savior that, you know, coming to a point where I was able to move past the pride and the arrogance of, I can do it my way and live my life, but recognizing I have screwed up. And if this gospel message is true, my screw ups and my, you know, sin means forever without God. And then recognizing the love that, that God has for us to give up his, you know, his son and for Jesus to willingly go to the cross. I mean, Jesus tells Pilate when he's on trial, you know, when Pilate says, I have the authority to take your life. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. He's like, I'm willingly laying down my life. And so seeing that, that sacrifice and seeing that level of love that God has for me, it's like, you know, it was, it just, it just drew me to 
this relationship. And then I'm an all in or all out kind of person. I don't, I'm not a, I don't do things very well in tiny little increments. I'm like, we're going all the way or oh, you go. sitting on the couch. And so then I start, I start getting into, you know, the word more and spending more time in the word and you start reading the word and you start seeing all this amazingness that God has for us, that scripture says is there for us. And then truth is I start looking around, I'm going, where is it? Like, where's the example of that? Because again, scripture says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And yet the most miserable, I'm going to just say it, the most miserable people I've ever met in my life have claimed to be Christians. Amen. You know, uh, one of the names for God is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. You know, one of the names for Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And, I'm, and I look at believers, I'm like, y'all are just we're we're anxious and stressed and, and chaos. And, and I'm like, it just doesn't fit. And so it pushed me to dig deeper because the truth is I didn't want if this was the gospel, I didn't want what, what they had. Wow. And I couldn't believe that Christ would have died for me for that. That was just the truth. And so it was like, I wanted to look, I wanted to dig deeper. I wanted to get more into the word and have a better understanding because it didn't make sense that somebody would call themselves a follower of Christ and yet exhibit something so contrary to him. And so it really pushed me to like really study and who is Christ? What did he say? And what did he teach? And then in comparison to my life and what does my life show? Does my life reflect Christ, or is it reflecting Nate? When people meet me, are they seeing a whole lot of Nate, or are they seeing a whole lot of Christ? And and that was the challenge, like, you know, to get up in the morning and say, you know, I'm not going to go through today all ticked and frustrated. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, and, and I'm far from perfect, and I screw up on a regular basis. You know, I mean, I I, I message you today, Mark, stressed and frustrated about something. You know, because I'm a human being, but I'm trying to be more like him. And there's this journey in this and this process that I'm on. And I've told people, if I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to follow after God and serve Christ and grow in this gospel message, if I'm not going to do that well. I honestly I'm the kind of person that I'm not going to do it at all. Like, I don't understand the in between. If I'm going to serve him, then I'm let's go. I'm all in. I'm a mess up. I'm a screw up. But I'm going to I'm going to be all in with this because because that's just that's part of my personality. It's just all you know, it's it's who I know to be. But it has taken a lot of studying and a lot of reading and looking at, again, the example of Christ. What did Christ in the conversations he had with? How did he talk to people? How did he relate to people? How did he love on them? How did he show truth in love? in those tough conversations. And, and when he confronted people who were in sin, when he confronted people who were self-righteous and, and elite, how did he confront them? How did he talk to them? How did he lead people towards the gospel, towards the, the love and the message of Christ? And so, you know, as I look at, at that, and I spend more time in that, it just, it has just opened my eyes to a, a such a deeper relationship. Uh, recently, I did a sermon on, on Jesus calling himself, I am. And I've heard that before. And I know in the Old Testament, you know, the burning bush tell Moses, you know, God tells Moses, tell him I am sent you. I've had all those, you know, parallels. But when I really began to study that statement, study the significance of that statement in comparison to the rest of scripture, the rest of the authority of God, but then turn around and look at Jesus through that lens of if he is, I am, what does that mean? 
And it's opened my eyes just in the last few weeks, even more to the magnitude of who, of who Christ is. And scripture tells me to keep my eyes on him. So that's what I want to do. I want to keep my eyes fixed on him because if he is, I am there it is. What, I mean, what better, what better do I have on my side? I mean, there's no better person on your side in your corner, you know, there for you, supporting you, loving you, fighting for you, whatever you want to use, whatever term than I am, you know? And, and so that's really just, just in the last couple of weeks, I've seen my relationship with God start to turn into another level because of, of just, you know, spending that time in the word and, and spending that time really connecting more and more with who, who is Jesus Christ and what did he teach and what did he do? And he is the example that I should follow. It's so good, Nate. And I appreciate you bringing the realness of it because literally that's what this program is about. This is what it's designed for. It's designed for us to be real. And like you said, Nate, you go, well, hey man, I mess up and this and that and the other. Well, man, the Bible is chock full of people, like people of God, people of renown. Mm -hmm. And it's chock full of them people messing up, right? But here's what they didn't do. They didn't stop. David, everybody knows if you studied David at all in your life, everybody mm -hmm. knows all the things that David did. It's, it's, it's yeah. out there. But yet here's God saying, well, he's a man after my own heart. Well, well, God, what are you talking about? He's, he's a murderer. He's an adulterer, like all these things. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't stop. He didn't stop walking that out. Yeah. And, and, and I consider, I consider uh, David's prayer after he's confronted about that. I consider his prayer as one of the most powerful prayers in scripture, old school church, you know, uh, uh, chorus back in the nineties when he says, created me a clean heart you know, oh God, and, and, and cast me not away. And, and, and that's the heart right there. I mean, you know, the Bible is full of people who failed, who, and who, and who would be, could have been labeled failures in all kinds of ways or, or hypocrites or this or that. And what we see with, with the ones who, who have the impact and the ones that make the impact, one of the things that we see time and time again is this, is what, you know, this, this ugly R word we know as repentance, we see these moments where we see them do exactly what repentance means. They turn back to God. They turn back. They turn away from their grief. They turn away from their trauma. They turn away from their, their sin. They turn away from their drunk. And they turn back to God to trust him. Okay, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. Some of them struggle with it. Some of them jump right on and go with it. But we see them turn back to God and and. And we see that this beautiful story of, of repentance, I think one of the most beautiful stories of repentance is, is Peter and Jesus. Peter has denied Jesus three times. By all accounts, he wasn't there at the foot of the cross or, or anywhere near it when, when Jesus was crucified. Yet Peter would have called himself the closest, you know, uh, of, of Jesus' disciples. He was the one, you know, being, being prepared and groomed to take over the lead role of Christ when Christ was gone or whatever. And so here he is in this major role. And as far as we know, he had nothing, you know, he wasn't there. Not only was he wasn't there, he denied Jesus three times. And then we have this beautiful moment days later, or weeks later, we have this beautiful moment where Jesus is there with Peter and he turns to him and he asks him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And he says, okay, feed my sheep. Now it could have ended right there and it would have been a powerful moment. But then Jesus turns around and asks him again, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, again. 
Beautiful moment. It could have stopped right there two times. Beautiful. Then Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he does it three times. And, and, and I, you know, growing up, it was, it was a powerful moment. But a few years back, I, I studied that more and I, and I preached on, on Peter and that, and that whole moment and realized what Jesus was doing was he was extending grace and forgiveness to Peter to get, give him release. Like you denied me one time. Do you love me? Like, here we go. Three times you deny me. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. And what Jesus was doing was walking Peter through grace, mercy, forgiveness, repentance, saying, okay, you screwed up, buddy, but do you love me? Yes. Okay. Then go do the work I've called you to do. Hey, you screwed up. Do you love me? Go do the work I've called you to do. You screwed up. Do you love me? Go do the work I've called you to do. And it's this beautiful, beautiful, powerful image of restoration. It's this powerful image of repentance that Christ offers to all of us. He looks at me and he says, Nate, you screwed up. Yes, I did, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Okay, now go do what I asked you to do. Mark, you screwed up. Do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Okay, now go do what I've called you to do. And for all of us, it's different. But for all of us, it's going back to the foundational piece of what are we all called to do? Love God and to love others. It goes back to the foundation. Yeah, I'm a pastor, so my responsibilities are, are church-driven and all of that. But that doesn't mean that only pastors are supposed to preach the gospel. It doesn't mean only people in full-time ministry are supposed to share the gospel. We're all supposed to be living it, living examples of it, and showing it to others. And, and that whole repentance thing, that whole forgiveness thing becomes so key. We have a society full of people who are labeled everything and anything. People carry so much guilt, so much hurt and pain. We have a traumatized society. And the answer to that traumatized society is twofold. It's healing that comes through a relationship with Christ, but it's also healing that comes through forgiveness of our sins. And when you can walk people in repentance and walk them through growing a relationship with Christ. Scripture says it, he whom the son sets free is free indeed. There is freedom and release for our, for our community, for our culture, for our churches, for our families, for our neighborhoods, for our businesses. There is freedom there, and that comes through what Jesus Christ did. There's freedom from sin through repentance, but there's also freedom from all the other junk through a life that is focused, a life that is engaged, a life that is trusting and leaning on him. And the gospel message for all of us, pastors down to stay-at-home moms, over across to janitors, over to CEOs, to presidents, to this, it doesn't matter what role and what position you have. The gospel message is, I think, an old school, amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I was lost once, and because of the sacrifice of Christ, I'm now found. I was blinded to the things of God. To, I was blinded in my sin, like Samson with his eyes gouged out. I was, I was blinded to my sin, but now I see. And with that sight, the only thing I could think of doing with that sight is to go find someone else who's blind and try to help them see the light. There's no other purpose to have this sight than to use it to find others who are out there wandering in the darkness. If we were all in the dark, all right. It was pitch black and there's a thousand of us in a, in a giant stadium and it's pitch black. And you have a flashlight. Why would you not turn that on 
and show people, hey, come here. This is where the exit is. Here, follow me. Follow the light. Here, I'll point you there. I'll lead you out. Okay, now let me go get the next person. I'll lead you out. And we have that light. And that light is life-changing. And so no matter what role I play in this community, no matter what role I play in the community around me, I'm supposed to be a life changer. And that's not because of how good I am, because that's not the case at all. It's because of how good he is. That's so good, Nate. And, you know, the one thing I'm, I'm listening through all that, what Jesus could have done, and I loved how you said he could have just stopped right now, and that was game changer anyway. But here's mm-hmm. what he didn't say. Well, stop telling people about me. Mm-hmm. Never did that. He said, feed my sheep. In mm-hmm. fact, there was no hesitation, I feel like, on Jesus' part. He said, keep, keep feeding my sheep. Keep telling. Mm-hmm. Like David, caught in sin, caught red-handed. Like, he didn't tell him, stop telling people about me. Stop praying. Keep going. Like, we'll mess up. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 for just a second. Uh, just to remind listeners, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And, you know, I got to be honest, I keep those types of things in front of me because it's like, you know, because, hey, does everybody give their heart to the Lord when we share the gospel? No, but it's because of this truth right here. That message is crazy, foolishness to people who are blinded. But nevertheless, Nate, it doesn't stop me from preaching it. Because our job is not to, we can't save anybody. I can lead someone in that way, but I don't, I don't save anybody. You can put me up on, on a cross a million times and I'm going to die in my own sin. I can't save anybody. Salvation comes through Christ. So my, my responsibility, we, we put this pressure on us, like this level of perfection when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing our faith that, well, if I go to a coworker and I invite them to church and they say no, well, they've rejected me. And so that's it. I'm done. You know, um, we've put so much fear and so much pressure and you got to do it perfectly. And you got to have all the right things to say and all the right verses to quote and all the right statistics. And you got to know if that person is from this background or that background, you got to know exactly what to say, how to say it. And how do you witness to an atheist versus an agnostic versus th- all of these things we come up with, we put all these parameters on, and we've made it, we've like choked the churches, you know, and, and the church body, we've like choked them to, to, to this idea of evangelism. Like, I don't have to have all the answers. I'm not going to have all the answers. I don't have to have the whole thing memorized. It'd be great if I did. But even if I tried my hardest, I probably won't have the whole thing memorized. But I can share people what God has done in my life. And if that means I have to go Google some verses Google them and say, hey, look, hold on a second. I'm looking this verse up I, I, and here, here it is. You know, if I've got to paraphrase a verse, paraphrase a verse. But, but we put so much pressure and we put so much weight on it that we've created this like systemic fear that people are afraid. If I, if I say the God, and if I, if I do something wrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up. And now that person's not going to get saved or that person's not going to, I'm going to mess it up. You can't mess up loving on somebody. You can't mess up sharing what Christ has done. And it's not my responsibility to see them saved. It's my responsibility to share the gospel. What happens between them and the Holy Spirit is between them and the Holy Spirit. And maybe my job is I share the gospel here, never have a conversation with that person again. But two months down the road, they talk to somebody else. And that other person talks with them. And then six months down the road, 10 years down the road, 
they're in a car accident and they're in the hospital and a nurse comes in and has a cross on their neck. They start a conversation and the person gets saved. You know, like we, we have no clue. We have no clue the impact that we're having on the people around us. And, and, and so my job is to reflect Christ in my life. My job is to share the gospel with, with the people I can share them with. And the results are in the hands of between that person and God. And so, you know, there needs to be pressure needs to be taken off of people. Like tell your neighbors about Jesus, tell your coworkers about Jesus. Yeah, but they may not, don't worry about it, but they may not like me. That's okay. Scripture tells, says that they might hate you because of him. That's okay. Tell them about Jesus. Cause that's the right thing to do. I think Penn Jillette says it so well. There's a video that's been out for a while now where, where someone uh, gave him a Bible and tried to witness to him after a show. And he's a staunch atheist. I mean, he has, you know, nothing to do with Christianity. He thinks Christianity is evil and religion is evil and all of that. And, but he shares, and he says this, he says to, to be religious, to call yourself a Christian and not, he uses the word proselytize and not proselytize, not evangelize. He says this, he goes, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe they're going to hell and that hell is real. If you are a Christian and you believe that hell is real and if they don't have Jesus, they're going to hell. He goes, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them? So good, and it, man. And it hits you. It yeah. hits you. He goes, he, says, he, goes, he goes, it's like this. He goes, I'm standing on the street corner and I see you walk across the street and there's a bus coming. He goes, at some point, I'm going to go from, hey, watch out. I'm going to go from screaming to you. At some point, I'm going to run and tackle you because I don't want you to get hit by that bus. He goes, this is even more important than that. If you believe that there really is a hell and that people are going there, there's nothing more important than this. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe they're going to hell and not tell them about Jesus? And so I, I think we need to get over the stigma of like, we do something great when we go tell somebody about, oh, I can't talk to him about Jesus because the last three people I talked to, they didn't want anything to do with me. So I'm done. We have to get over that and realize that God has called us and in, in, in obedience to him. I'm supposed to share my faith and share what God has done in my life. But I also need to recognize that it's the work of the Holy Spirit that does the impact. I'm not the one that saves them. I could say the same story a million times and not a single person get moved by it, but I'm supposed to share the gospel. So I think there needs to be, there needs to be pressure taken off that you're allowed to not see this glorious moment where you're at work and all your coworkers are on their knees in front of you you know, lead me to Jesus, Nate. Like, I think we need to move away from that, but we also need to recognize that there also, though, should be a sense of urgency and that before God, we're wrong when we don't share what God has done in our lives. Before God, we're wrong as believers who aren't willing to share the gospel. So I think there's pressure needs to come off on one end and needs, needs to be applied on the other end to get us back to, to, to a healthy balance get us back to where we need to be as, as, a, as a church body in our nation, loving on our neighbors, loving on our community, and pointing them to Jesus, but doing it without fear of their response, doing it without the pressure of worrying about their response, doing it in the freedom of, I love you, and I want you to know who Christ is. So good, Nate. And uh, once again, the time just flies, but I want to leave you all with a scripture you hear this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A couple things I want to point out real quick as our time draws to an end. Starting in verse 13, it says, If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it's for you. 
for the love of Christ compels us. This is what I heard you saying, mm-hmm. Nate, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died and he died for all that those who live, here we go, should live no longer for themselves, but mm-hmm. for him who died for them and rose again. Man, it just screamed out at me as I was listening to you there. And uh, tune in again next week because we'll have another exciting episode. But wasn't it encouraging to hear Nate just pour out his heart about what we should be doing and what we should be living or how we should be living and really just embracing God and his love and letting that love, as this verse just shared, Nate, compel us to tell everybody. So thanks for tuning in again. And uh, Nate, thanks for jumping on, man. What a stimulating conversation. Well, thank you, man. The, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few and we need more workers. It's time for the church to get out in the fields and start getting to work. So join us in prayer for that very thing, saints. And you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Rise FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at risefmohio.com. The Rise FM Podcast Network.